we always said that church wasn't a building. Church was always a people, a movement, a kinetic force mobilized to change the world. I know we can't meet physically right now, but that doesn't mean we can't be the church. It doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean we can't sing. It doesn't mean we can't connect with God and connect with each other and reach people around us. When Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell itself would not prevail against his church, he meant it. We're still here. Church is happening to push back our fear. Church is happening so that we can get a divine perspective to a world gone wild. The church didn't stop with coronavirus. It just got stronger. It wasn't held back, it reached farther. We weren't suppressed. We were unleashed. We don't have to be alone. We're still on mission in your kitchen, in your living room, and on your phone, and on your big screen, in your hospital room, and in the nursing home, and in the prison. Your church is still here. Well, that's right. God is still on the move, and your church is still here. I'm Stuart Britton. I'm the Riverside Campus Pastor, and even though we're not one church in six locations right now, we're more like one church in 6,000 locations because we have people joining us from all over the United States and all over the world. And in a time where every church is online and you can attend any church you want to with the click of a button, it's a special honor to have you here today. But for you to completely experience church with us, you need to do more than just have this up on the screen while you're checking your email or doing dishes or cooking breakfast. So put that other stuff to the side for a little while and lean in. Turn up the sound and turn down the lights and we sing, sing with us. And we pray, bow your head and pray with us. And we learn, engage. And along the way, we'll connect with God together. That's the point, right? Because after all, God did not stop moving when the world did. Jesus is still moving and we're here to learn, worship, and know that Jesus still lives.
All I want is you Wherever you lead 
because he is always faithful. We remember what he's done and how he's moved in our life. And it gives us the courage to say, we will follow you, God, wherever you call us. In the Bible, in Deuteronomy, it says that he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. We trust him. We need his blessing. We receive his blessing today. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Beside you, all around you, and within. 
is for you and that is the truth that we're proclaiming today i'm brian pope the powhatan campus pastor and i want to say welcome to you here today and i'm part of a wonderful team not just these folks on stage but so many folks in our church who are trying to be there and we're serving you in every way we can right now and we're really excited that you're here as we continue the overcomer series today as we try to figure out what our new normal looks like Here's one thing that we know that is never changing, and that's the power of Jesus, the truth about who he is. And we're living out our mission here, and we want you to know that we're here for you. And if you're joining us today, you're joining us online. We're only online right now, and so you're joining us from places all over the world, including some folks who are joining us right now from Pakistan and Afghanistan and Vietnam. We're really excited that you're here too as we reach people both here, near, and far away with the truth of who Jesus is. And if you are here for the first time, if you've never filled out a welcome card, there's a way for you to do that right there on your screen. We encourage you to do that because you can reach out and tell us. If you have a tangible need or if you need prayer or just a conversation, we want you to know that we're here for you today And so you can fill that out and someone will reach out to you and just say hello and thank you for being part of our service. And we're being very intentional right now with how we support folks, particularly when it comes to feeding people who need it right now. And because of that, we've opened a temporary food pantry here at the Powhatan campus. And you can find out information about that. We're open Thursdays, uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday afternoons. And we served 30 families last week, but here's the thing. If, if you want to donate, you can find out information there online, but you can also share with your friends. If they're in need, please tell them to come. No questions asked. We're just here to make sure that they, they get some food. But it's more than just a food pantry. We're living out our mission in our communities and now all around the world because we believe. We believe that Regardless of our circumstance, that God is with us. We believe the stories of the Bible where God brings down giants and makes walls fall and raises the dead. And he forgives 
and empowers. We believe that God, our God, is a God that sees us and gives us an opportunity to know him and to be transformed by the life of knowing Jesus Christ together. And listen, we we may not know what's around the corner right now, but we know this. Whatever our needs, God is with us. And we agree together, you and I, that we're on this mission and that it is not wavering. So I want to thank many of you who are supporting our ministry right now, supporting the work of this church right now generously. And I want to thank you on behalf of every ministry in our church today because we're trying to make a change in the world that the world needs now more than ever. Your partnership in the gospel has made so many wonderful, powerful, life-changing things happen. But there's more to come. And there's more in front of us than there is behind us. God has something bigger for us. And so we're going to pray to the God that's bigger than anything in our path today. Let's pray together. Hey, God, you are God. Bigger than all of our circumstance. The God of the Bible who slays who slays giants and tears down walls, raises the dead, God. That's why we pour out our worship to you. We sing at the top of our lungs. We get up, we raise our hands. We focus on you. God, however it is that we spend time with you, it's more than that. It's more than just our presence. It's more than just checking a box. We're here to worship. And we do that with our time but we also do it with our resources, God, believing in the mission that you've given us here and the mission that is to come because we know that there's more ahead of us than behind us. So God, for that, we're thankful. And we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory because you're worthy of it. Your name is above all names, the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. God who makes the giants fall You bring down the walls of Jericho You're the God who brings the miracle We believe You're the God who parts the ocean wide just to bring us closer to your side you're the god who brings the dead to life we believe we believe and god how great you are and great things you have done for everything we've seen With every victory and every battle won, for everything we've seen, there is more to come. We are confident in all your ways, because we know, because we know you never make mistakes. You fill us with the great faith, and we believe, we believe, and God, how great you are. Never 
think you can control me, but you can't. I will not let my life be defined by a pandemic. Anxiety will not be my defining characteristic. I will not give in to the hopelessness of loss, and I will not allow my family to fall victim to the aftermath of a virus. Time and time again, fear has held me back, but not today. Today, I'm fighting back because I am strong, because I am courageous, because I am an overcomer. Brian. Brian, you're muted. Ears. Ears. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Here. In here. You're muted. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I got it. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying was thanks for being here because we're trying to uh, really do a good job of connecting it with a in a relevant way with this series, which is why we're talking about being an overcomer. But I think for a lot of us, myself included, I feel a lot like an underachiever as opposed to an overcomer. And so we're, we're just trying to figure out how do we do life right now? So I thought that maybe we could just start by checking in with everybody. So how, how's everybody doing? Well, well you know, no okay. <laughs> okay. all right. Okay. All right. Time out. Sorry. Uh, Liz, let's start with you. Uh, well, as a college student, I had to move back home. It has been a rough adjustment. Um, just having to do class online. I realized um, that is the reason why I signed up for on-campus classes because online is not fun. Um, and on top of that, you know, just a lot of family togetherness. And it's been great, you know, getting family time in and whatnot. But uh, it's also been a lot. Oh, sorry. Someone's knocking. Oh. Hey. Oh, hey, guys. Yep. Hey. Hey, well, hey, real quick. Um, I know you're busy, but... um. I am trying to get my vegetables in the ground before it rains today, and Chico's been so um, Can you come? Can back? I talk to you about it after the Zoom meeting? Um, yeah. How okay. Will that be? I'm not sure. Uh, I'll come back and get you. Okay. Well. All right. Me and the veggies will be waiting. So. Oh, all thanks. right. <laughs> 
my mom has been getting into gardening and she thinks because she loves gardening, I should also love gardening and has been trying to get me out there uh, to till the ground and whatnot. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's been a tough scene for sure. All right. Well, uh, how about you, Jackie? How's it going? It's going. It's going day by day. Um, I think the biggest struggle has been just the change in schedule. I normally am up super early and out the door off to CrossFit and now I'm in bed, coffee, finishing Oreos, Cheetos, anything that I can eat my feelings with in this house. Um, work has been a big challenge for me because I work, I'm a real estate agent, I'm outside of the home, I'm at different offices and running around and now I'm, this is my desk and ironing board now. Wow. So that has been like, just a second please. So just get, Cam, and so just get it. Camden, I just need like three minutes, okay? I don't ask for much. Three minutes. I've got three of those <laughs> running around the house. So. so life for you right now. Okay. Well, in my world, the ironing board, that would be finally using it for something useful. And, uh, and I appreciate the bag of Cheetos. That's very tempting. Uh, mm -hmm. Now I have to go get some because I'm not going for the quarantine 15. I'm going for the quarantine 50. I mean, you know. Go home. So, uh, Shelton, how about you? Well, Brian, you've always made fun of my career choice of being a consultant, and now I, you actually have the governor backing you saying that my job is non-essential. <laughs> my last day of work was around March 20th, so I'm now on my fifth week of making zero dollars for mm. the family, which we think my job is pretty essential, but uh, it doesn't seem that way in today's environment, but um, I just uh, got through giving my son an allowance earlier today, and now I'm operating at a loss because of it. So, <laughs> it's it's the, the unknown about when this is going to you know end and when I can get back to work is is, is very stressful. Well, <clears throat> maybe if you did some consulting about the vegetable gardening business, you and Liz could you know, collaborate. It might be beneficial for both of you. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this entire thing that none of us ever saw coming and couldn't ever imagine, it has uh, revealed a lot of areas in our lives where we really didn't have any control. And I wonder, how would you, how would you assess your own uh, level of worry about things? Or maybe you would say my level of anxiety. How would you, how would you assess that in, in you, Liz? Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of things that I just don't know how they're going to work out, if they're going to work out. And uh, so just trying to find the balance between that and trusting in the Lord during all this has been an experience for sure. And, and at times it's been a struggle. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. How about you, Jackie? For me, it's, it's not asking me on any given day. It's at what minute during the day are you asking me? Because I go from this is a great, this is an opportunity for us to really check in and slow down um, and, and be with our families and be present. But at the same time, it's also you step on each other's toes and finding space and the worry and balancing the worry and the trust. When is this going to be over and things like that. So it's been, it just goes back and forth roller coaster. Yeah, I hear you. How about you, Shelton? Probably be better to ask my dog because uh, we've uh, been way too close in the same room for so long and she knows when the stress level is high and when it's not. Um, the unknown right now, Brian, is what's, what's the biggest thing because I know at some point I'm going to, you know, the clients that I have, I'm going to be getting back to work. I just don't know when that is. Is it two weeks? Is it a month? Is it two months? I, I just don't know. So planning for that is, is a challenge. So every, you would all agree that on some level, there's some some kind of worry or anxiety, whichever word you would use. Is that true for for all of for all of you? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, interestingly, not coincidentally, that's what we're going to talk about today. Trying to overcome worry and anxiety in this particular moment, where everybody seems to have a little bit of it. At least in some cases, we have a lot of it. And uh, there are actually some some cool teachings that come from the Bible that apply just uh, specifically for this moment that we're going to look at. So, really appreciate your help today. So thanks. We'll see you later. Thanks, you. Brian. So those were not actors. They were not acting. They are real people and they're just living. They're just trying to figure this out just like you and I are. 
So this is life for us today, right? We've taken all of aspects of our lives. We've taken the kids and the dogs and the cats, the husbands and the wives, the toys, the dirty clothes, the whole household, and all of our work, and we've thrown it all into the same house 24-7. The old normal got tossed, and what's here is anything but normal. But we've lost all sense of what is normal, and it sometimes still feels like this is not reality. Like, like where's the routine? Where's the, where's the regular part of life again? I, the, right now, we're coming to you from our Powhatan campus, our broadcast campus, but like all of our campuses, a few weeks ago, which seems like an eternity ago, our, this room would have been filled with people. And today, I stood in our atrium, and I looked out the window, and I thought, it just wasn't that long ago when, we were, when I was, you were watching cars pull in the parking lot and greeting people as they came in the doors. Most everybody right now is fighting some level of anxiety or worry about what we're going through because we don't know where it's headed. We're worried about the virus, and we're worried about the economy, and we're worried about our jobs, and we're worried about the schoolwork that we used to do and still have to do, sort of, and we're worried about our older parents and grandparents, and, and kids for for their entire lives, longed for summer break, and now they're worried, we're worried that school won't open again until, I, I, can't, I can't even bring myself to say it. it. It just seems unimaginable. We don't know when school's gonna pick back up again. Before this meltdown, there were generally two kinds of people when it comes to the topic we're talking about today. There were people who never worried about anything. You treated every potential crisis with the same shrug and approach to the problem that you seem to approach everything else, the steady attitude you have about everything. You, you never really got amped up about anything. You're usually so calm that your family has to check your pulse just to be sure you're still alive. In fact, they actually want you to be more worried about something. And then there's the rest of us, the other kind of person. You were already anxious before coronavirus, now it's like worry on steroids. The news itself is a lethal weapon. Your family thought about removing every outside voice except Disney movies from your home. And you know you shouldn't be worried so much, but you, you feel like you can't help it. So anxiety becomes your defining characteristic, or at least one of them, and thinking about your anxiety only makes you more anxious. So the truth is, most of us are battling worry and anxiety on some level right now. It used to be that these two kinds of people, the uber calm and the jacked up, were clearly delineated, but right now, all those lines are just kind of blurred. And we might not all express our worry the same way, and some of us hide it better than others, but I, I just don't know anybody right now in the I don't have a care in the world category. So what we're going to do today is what we always do. We're going to find tangible meaningful, relevant help in the pages of the Bible. Today, I'm going to walk you through a powerful teaching that Jesus gives us that will help us overcome our anxiety. But before I do, I need to be really clear with you about something. What I'm going to show you really will be a help to all of us if you're willing to apply it to your life, whether you're chronically worried or whether you're clinically depressed. However, those who have or might have an actual anxiety disorder may also need medical help. God uses doctors and medicine to do miracles. So if you're concerned about what's happening inside of you, or if people around you who love you are telling you that you might have something beyond chronic worry or normal anxiety, you need to make an appointment and you need to go see a doctor. So before we dive into the scripture, I'm gonna ask you if you just join me in a word of prayer. God, uh, we come to you today and all of us experiencing some kind of worry or anxiety. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice. Yours is the only one that matters. Yours is the voice we need to hear today. So would you speak clearly to us, each of us, right where we are, and help us to experience your presence in a, and the truth about how you want us to move into the future. We pray that together in the name of Jesus. Amen. So for the purposes of our conversation today, we need to make sure that we're on the same page when it comes to worry. We need to define worry together. You would define it maybe differently, but right now we need to be on the same page. So here's how I'm thinking about worry. Worry is the internal churning about external possibilities. 
It is internal churning about external possibilities. Worry is all about the what if. And that means that worry is focused on something that hasn't happened yet but could happen. I don't really worry about what's already happened. I might get angry about it. I might be frustrated about it. I might be hurt or disappointed about it. But I'm only worried about what hasn't happened yet. It's the what if game. And I know this game. I'm an expert at playing it. In fact, I would say, and my counselor would agree with me in this, that playing this what-if game made me chronically mentally ill in such a pervasive and unhealthy way that it eventually contributed to my own clinical depression for which I eventually required medicine. And I had to go through intense therapy and a ton of time to heal the damage and to learn a new and more healthy way to live my life. What-if is the game that lots of us are playing right now. What if I get sick? What if someone I love gets sick? And, and, and we, we, dwelt, we dwelt there. In fact, that was the only question we had for a few weeks. But now, a lot of the what if has turned. And, and we're starting to think, we're still wondering, what if I get sick? But now we're asking, well, what if I lose my job? And what if the company doesn't make it? What if I can't pay our bills? What if I can't go to school in the fall? What if my kids can't go to school in the fall? What if my spouse, on and on, this game goes until we find ourselves defined by worry, internal churning about external possibilities? This is not new to you and me. It's not a development unique to coronavirus. It's not a game invented by COVID-19. And it's not a conspiracy conceived by Democrats or Republicans or the Chinese government. This is a human battle, one we've been fighting since our very first ancestors hid from God in the garden, and it continued all the way until this day. So it ought not to be a surprise to any of us that Jesus taught about worry directly. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. One verse, do not worry. I guess that's just really easy, isn't it? Why didn't I think of that? I'm worried about my life. I'm worried about the groceries. I'm worried about if I can afford them or where I can find them. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, don't worry about that. So I, I guess I won't. Is it really that simple? Is this teaching, this single sentence as it stands alone, is this really helpful? Actually, it's not. And, and some of you are thinking, I'm about to cross a line and, and disrespect Jesus. I promise you I'm not going to do that, so stay with me. But simply telling you not to worry about something is like telling you to stop thinking about something. So you close your eyes and you, and you say, stop thinking about it, stop thinking about it, stop thinking about it. And if you do that, what happens to it? It becomes more prominent in your mind, not less. In the case of worry, now you worry more about it than you did before. But fortunately, Jesus does not only tell us to stop worrying. So to all you advice givers who love to quote the Bible, and I like to quote the Bible, and to all of you folks who like to use Jesus' teachings in order to help others, and I'm with you on that too, this right here doesn't stand by itself. You see, the Bible, which I keep handy in all kinds of places, including behind select TV monitors and in my cars, and I keep one in my office, and I keep one in, by, at my bedside, and of course we have this accessible in all of our electronic devices. This is the greatest source of help for living any kind of life scenario you can imagine. But this text right here, like many verses in the Bible, does not stand on its own. So I want you to pay attention because you need the rest of what Jesus said. Both worriers and those who try to help the chronically anxious. When you read the Bible, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Jesus had just finished talking presumably about money. I'll come back to that. And he said this. These are some excerpts from another piece of scripture that come just before the do not worry piece. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up from your, for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This right here is the teaching that Jesus gives just before saying, 
therefore don't worry. This is the background. It's more than that. It's the foundation. It's the, it's the justification to the don't worry piece. Without this, don't worry is a cheesy bumper sticker. Without the principles that this text unlocks, telling somebody don't worry will make you seem out of touch with reality, and in fact, you may be out of touch with reality. So here it is. We have spent so long, and this includes me, focusing on the money illustration in this text that we've taught that this is about money, but it's not. What Jesus is doing here is using money as an illustration. There's a, de a deeper teaching in this text that is really about your heart. It's really about the focus of your life. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what you treasure, that's what you think about all the time. What you value, that's what you worry about. Worry, then, is an emotional response towards something I highly value. An emotional response towards something I highly value. Or let me put it like this, kind of a twist on something I heard Andy Stanley say. Emotion reveals devotion. Emotion reveals devotion. So wherever you are right now, by yourself or with your family, how about just say this out loud with me? Emotion reveals devotion. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying your heart will be wherever the thing you treasure is. If worry is an emotional response to something that I highly value, then my, my strong emotion, my anxiety, my worry about a particular thing or a situation, that will reveal my level of devotion to it. I want to show you how this works. And I promise we're going to get to something helpful about what to do with your worry. I know you want that, so we're going to get there. But first, we have to properly understand why we have worry, because the proper prescription can only come after we find the accurate diagnosis. And to be honest with you, most of us misdiagnose the source of our worry. So let me confess something to you. This might be offensive to you, especially coming from a pastor. But around here, we value being authentic, so I'm just going to make a confession. And just be between us. Don't tell anybody I said this. All right, well, I'm going to start with kids. Kids and students, anybody in school, I want you to know this. I never worry about your grades. Ever. I, I don't. I, and, and I mean that. Even if you're not doing well in school, I, I don't worry about your academic performance. Because I'm not devoted to your academic performance. That, that doesn't mean I don't care. I do care. If you, if you reach out to me or send me a message and tell me that you're struggling... I am going to feel for you, and I'm going to sincerely pray with you and pray for you. But I, I'm not losing any sleep over your grades, because I'm not devoted to your schoolwork. Here's another one. I don't ever worry about your job. I didn't say I didn't care, and some of you are getting angry right now. Your temperature's going up, and I'm the target, but remember... How we defined worry, it's internal churning about external possibilities. And if we add Jesus' teachings, it's the focus of where I'm devoted. So I didn't say I didn't care about you. I didn't say I didn't feel for you. I do. But I'm not devoted to your job. Emotion reveals devotion. I can be devoted to you without being devoted to some of the peripheral things that you are devoted to. Can you see the difference between the two? Let me give you one more. Some of you have a hobby that you are completely passionate about. You're devoted to your garden or, or your pet or your car or gaming or technology or whatever it is. I can be interested in you, even devoted to you, without being all that interested in the thing that you are also devoted to which means that I don't worry about those things. Even though it might be tearing you up, I'm sleeping just fine. On the other hand, there are some things that I do have internal churning over. And this Matthew 6 teaching that Jesus gives us revealed something inside of me that I'm dealing with right now. More accurately, I think God is dealing with inside of me right now. For example, I have been worried about our church's future 
I was on a Zoom call with seven other pastors from Virginia this week, some of whom I highly respect and churches that, are, that, that have really paved a pathway. We follow them. They've, they've taught so much and invested in me as a leader and in, in our church. And to a person with those other seven pastors, they all believe that this pandemic will dramatically affect the way that we do church for years, not weeks and not months. And so I'm on this Zoom call, I'm listening, I've got my mic on mute because my stomach is in knots and I just kind of want to throw up. It's churning, internal churning about external possibilities. I'm worried and emotion reveals devotion. I'm devoted to the church, I'm devoted to our church. Is that bad? Here's another thing, I actually have a retirement plan. Now, I I hope I can do what I'm doing for a long time. I hope it brings value for a long time. But since I was 19, I've been planning for at least the possibility that one day I might not be all that effective. So I built a modest retirement strategy, a strategy that's gotten very, very tentative in the past few weeks. I think about, what about the market? What about the world? What about the debt? Three trillion dollars is kind of a lot of money. What if, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if? Churning, internal churning about external possibilities. I'm worried. And emotion reveals devotion. And I'm devoted to responsible personal finances now and in the future. Is that bad? One last thing. I, I have a family. My wife Susan is the most important human being on the planet to me. I can't imagine doing life without her. And I've got kids that I'm crazy about. They're all grown now, and a granddaughter that I love. And, and my parents, my, my mom has multiple underlying health issues, which becomes the phrase now for some reason. And so I told my mom, I said, hey, mom, you realize that if you get this virus, it's going to kill you. You need to be super careful. Do you understand that? For a while, I asked all the questions that some of you are asking. What if somebody in my family gets sick? What if I get sick? What if we can't go to the hospital and be with them? What, what if, what if, internal churning about external possibilities, I'm worried. And emotion reveals devotion. And, and I'm devoted to my family. Is that bad? Of course not. In fact, devotion is a good thing, except, except, we churn emotionally about things that are out of our control. And when we do that, we unnecessarily fuel an unhealthy anxiety, even if it's about something that we care deeply about. Jesus wants to help us see the bigger picture and another way. Therefore, he says, I, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. I mean, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Now this begins to get to the heart of the matter, at least for me, because I worry about our church and I worry about my finances, and I worry about the future of being able to provide for my family, and I worry about people who are depending on me, and I worry internal churning about external possibilities, and it's as if Jesus wrote these words, and they are spoken 2,000 years through time and inserting themselves right into our coronavirus moment where Jesus says, you're worried about things that are completely out of your control, worse Your emotion reveals your devotion. And this got personal for me. I felt like God saying, hey, are you devoted more to money than you are to me? Are you devoted more to your retirement than you are to me? Are you devoted more to what you've built than to what I'm building? Who do you really trust here? And that's why Jesus asks this startling question. He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? This is rhetorical, of course. He's saying this is completely out of your control, and yet you're churning on it. To what end? Does worry help? Can you add time to your life with it? No. 
Worry is a life reducer, not a life enhancer. It deteriorates the quality of life. It erodes our joy. It distracts from the blessings that we actually still do have. Worry is a liar. It lies to us, telling us that we can somehow control things with our minds, things that are completely out of our control. In fact, control and anxiety have an inverse relationship. As control goes down, our tendency to be anxious goes up. The truth is, I can confess this about me. Maybe you can confess it about you. I think we like to control things. We, you and I like to be able to orchestrate the future. We like to chart our own path. It's human nature to control everything, but it's human experience to control almost nothing. In fact, the only thing I really can control is not my future, and it's not my family, and it's not my circumstances, but it is my actions. I can control my mind. And I get to control how I behave and how I respond. And that's why Jesus asks this question. What do you add to your life by worrying? Nothing. Nothing. But it's not enough to simply say, well, just stop it. Just stop worrying. And Jesus knows that. So he gives us the secret to releasing our anxiety about things we cannot control by replacing it with something far more powerful. So do not worry, he says. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Pagan is just someone who's not chasing after God. Everybody chases after, what Jesus is saying is everybody is chasing after what to eat and what to drink and what to wear. You, You don't need to do that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So look, Jesus is not saying that your health is not important or that your family's health doesn't matter, or that the economy isn't a big deal, or that you shouldn't care about whether or not you have a job. He's not saying any of that. What he is saying is that you can't control any of that, or at very best, you can control very little of it. So what do we do? You do what you can. And then instead of leaving your mind to wander into worry about what you can't control, you refocus your mind instead on what ought to be your ultimate devotion all along. Remember, emotion reveals devotion. And what should be our ultimate devotion? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God first. God should be our ultimate devotion. The things of God, the thoughts of God, the way of God, the kingdom of God, the movement of God. And that's going to look different for different people, and it's going to look different depending on where where you are in your spiritual journey. But the point isn't what it looks like. The point is where your focus is. Here's the thing that Jesus is pointing to. He's saying, listen, you can only have one. You can only have one priority. Priority is a singular word. Maybe you've heard me say that it's only in the last hundred years or so that there was even a plural form of the word priority. There was no priorities. By definition, you can only have one priority. Priority means one. So going back now, when Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart should be, will be. And when Jesus said you can't serve two masters, and then when Jesus finishes by saying seek God first, he's not telling us not to worry. He's telling us how not to worry. Now, I'm not trying to be fatalistic That would be throwing caution to the wind and living recklessly and saying none of it matters. That's silly. I do what I can. You should do what you can to protect your family, to shore up your finances, to do your job, to get a job, to keep your job, whatever. But after all of that, after I do what I can, then I've decided to trust God completely, totally, for this life and for the life to come. And those are not just words to me. They are the banner core value of my life. So when I find myself wrapped up in worry, and I still sometimes do, when I find myself a ball of anxiety about all the what-ifs, and sometimes I still do, I remind myself that my emotion is revealing my devotion, and I've decided that my ultimate devotion is to the God I say I completely trust, no matter what.
God doesn't give us a spirit of worry or anxiety. That doesn't come from him. But he does offer us the opposite of it. He offers us a spirit of peace. Peace for our restless souls. Peace for highly unstable moments just like this. And it's not peace that's just available to a few select people. You can have it, but you have to get it. You have to turn your mind toward God and focus your thoughts there. He will take care of our needs if we will seek him first. So we're going to close our time together with some reminders from God to you. Some words about God, some words about your life from God, from the mouth of Jesus in some cases. And I want you to hear this. You can even close your eyes and just meditate on it. Hear these words from God to you. Beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. hearts be troubled and do not be afraid when you go through the valley and shadow comes down from the hill if morning never comes to be be still be still be still Whoever would love life and see good days must seek peace and pursue it. If you forget the way to go and lose where you came from, if no one is standing beside you, be still and know. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and bring you peace. Be still and know that I'm with you. Be still and know I am. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. These scriptures are given to us so that we can turn our minds away from the thing that is churning inside of us 
and towards the peace of God. So we've taken them, we've added some graphics to them, and we've made them available on our website. All the scriptures that you just heard. You can download them and make them wallpapers for your devices. You can print them out and put them in prominent places so that you will remember. God does not give us a spirit of anxiety, but he does offer us a spirit of peace. And it's ours for the taking if we will simply turn our minds toward him. So let me pray with you. God, you've shown us how we can pursue peace, how we can have it. Forgive us when we allow our emotion to reveal our ultimate devotion because, God, we want to be devoted to you so that we don't worry about what we'll wear, what we'll eat or drink, but that we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, a pledge we make anew today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Part of the matrix that we've set up is to help you seek first the kingdom of God. It's why tomorrow morning at 7.30 we'll do daily worship for 15 minutes, which we do every weekday. It's why this coming Thursday at 7.15 on our YouTube channel, you can join us as we take this subject deeper and help us apply it better. It's why next Sunday we're going to be here again seeking the presence of God in all of our lives. Don't miss any of it as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See you tomorrow morning.